Talking benefits. 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 Talking. Talking. Talking benefits. You're listening to Talking Benefits, the podcast brought to you by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. Every month, we dive into retirement, healthcare, hot topics and trends, and whatever else the benefits industry throws at us. I'm Justin Held. I'm Julie Stick. I'm Ann Patterson. Let's talk benefits. If you're a regular listener, you know that retirement security is a topic near and dear to the hearts of those working at the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. In addition, the foundation has dedicated significant resources to DEI initiatives, educating and guiding employers on their journey to building a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive workplace. So that's why we're diving into some recent reporting by our friends at the Employee Benefit Research Institute. I recently had the opportunity to discuss some takeaways with Craig Copeland from the Employee Benefit Research Institute. As part of their recent work, they examined some discrepancies in gender and race in savings, retirement preparedness and expectations, and debt levels. Well, welcome, Craig, and thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me. Uh, So could you tell us about yourself and uh, your role at EBRI? My official title is a senior research associate here at EBRI. Uh, I've been focused on uh, retirement research now, uh, going on my 24th year at EBRI. So I've covered uh, retirement extensively from various aspects, from 401k plans to IRAs and and things that we're talking about today, like the Retirement Confidence Survey and different government surveys, including uh, the Survey of Consumer Finances. Could you give us an overview about the Employee Benefits Research Institute? Yes, the Employee Benefit Research Institute, or EBRI, uh, you know, we're approaching 45 years of being around as being a nonpartisan, nonprofit uh, research organization that focuses uh, on employee benefits. And uh, we focus ma- mainly on retirement health care as our two main goals. Uh, but our aspect is looking at really what is happening in the benefit market without coming from a position that we take uh, on anything. We do not take any positions. We just want to inform. So the best possible decisions on policy and understanding of employee benefits can be uh, be made and understood. I did a little bit of a review of some of your recent work, and there's some fascinating insights into retirement and debt that I actually found from three separate reports that you had a part in authoring. The first one I'd like to address is a fast facts piece from uh, your spending in retirement survey. Could you give us just a high level picture of uh, what you found, particularly regarding gender discrepancies? One of the most kind of the interesting thing that we found out about is that people kind of grouped into different types of spending categories, depending upon their, their financial situation or the, the access to income they have or assets they own. In particular, you know, people that had either annuity or pension income that was stable or owned a home were, were particularly better in having their lifestyle and spending, um, being able to spend more and seem to have a more enjoyable uh, lifestyle in retirement. However, those that were in debt seemed to really be stuck in that situation. They could never get out. They were just struggling all the time because of playing that debt. And you know, once you get into retirement, your income isn't really changing a lot, so people get stuck in that debt. And then one of the things we found, as you pointed out, talking about gender, is that, that females were more likely to be in these lower lifestyle spending patterns. And that's one of the things that really come through is that, that, that females seem to be struggling more in retirement than what males have done. In the actual report itself, uh, you provided a number of causes as to why these discrepancies may exist. Could you go over those quickly? 
the first one is just the lower lifetime average earnings that females have relative to males. So they're, they're lower earnings on average. And so therefore, they have less resources that they've built up and save for retirement. Uh, another issue is also they're typically where the caregivers. So they've taken time out of the workforce to either care for the children or to care for family members, which takes away from their ability to build up uh, assets for retirement. And then kind of the two that really hits them really in retirement is that the longevity. Uh, women are more likely to live longer than males, so they've got to fund more years of retirement. So you're going to have uh, females that are going to be at the last years of their life without a, a husband if they're married or if they're never married to have more years to fund on their own. And that comes back into the marital status. Since they tend to outlive, females tend to outlive males and females tended to be younger than males, they were more likely to be, end up being widowed in retirement. And therefore, they're in a situation where they don't have that ability to have the pooled resources like where males that were more likely to be married in um, retirement because they did not outlive their spouse. Uh, therefore, the males were more likely to have a higher lifestyle because they had the two incomes, whereas the woman would be left with the, the one income to live out the life after their spouse had died. That makes sense. That's one of the uh, double-edged swords of uh, having the longer uh, longevity on the female side. So moving on to uh, a different report, uh, you took a deep dive into your retirement confidence survey, and you examined gender and marital status differences in retirement preparedness and um, expectations as well. So what did you find in this report, particularly on that uh, gender discrepancy side again? Well, the, one of the things that was really more important that came through here was was not just the gender, but but actually the marital status. Again, that by you know as we talked about previously, some of those findings we found on the other study came through in this that divorced women or women that were never married were in a situation where they felt less confident. They were less likely to do a retirement needs calculation. They weren't in a situation where they were preparing for retirement. And a lot of this did have to do with those people. Uh, particularly divorced women that, that had, were in a life where they were with a spouse and uh, suddenly they're in a situation instead of having two incomes, they're in one income and having to do things for their um, selves. They were not in a situation to really to be worrying about or preparing for future. They were more concerned about today's needs and trying to get through the situation now. So they weren't doing those things or as focused on those things as preparing for retirement. And, and as a consequence, uh, they report being less satisfied with their workspace savings plan. They didn't think that financial well-being benefits would be effective for them. And they really were not using the most common sources of information that we, we suggested that, that most people use. They were less likely to say that they use that to use those and, and to really use nothing because they were more focused on their current uh, situation. So that really comes through is that marital status really plays that key role because married women seem to be as good as married men in the situation. It was really once they, they, those that weren't married or divorced that really fell into that situation of being having lower confidence, lower likelihood of preparing, and being in a situation where they really were focused on what's going on today instead of in the future. That makes sense. 
And finally, just to jump over to another study, you conducted an analysis of debt levels within your survey of uh, consumer finances. And that report had some interesting findings regarding the impact of race on debt levels, as well as the sources of those debts. Could you cover those? The one thing that was really interesting is that the likelihood of debt was pretty much the same regardless of the family of different races or ethnicities, because you know we really focused in on Black, Hispanic, and then the other group, which concluded the other races that didn't fall into uh, Black and Hispanic, along with obviously the white comparison. So what we really found is that the likelihood was not different. And actually, the minority families had lower median debt that they when they had debt. But the big difference was then that the debt as a sh- relative to the assets was much higher mm-hmm. for the minority families. So that means that they did not have as much assets backing up that debt as the families that had white family members that were the prevalent member. Uh, so therefore, they were really in a situation where they had lower assets relative to their debt. And one of that reasons is the type of debt that they held. They weren't as likely to have housing debt as white families were. They were more likely to have credit card debt. So there was no asset backing this debt. They weren't building this wealth and getting them in the situation that they will have wealth behind what they have purchased. They're just paying off the credit card. So they're basically trying to get through day to day by using their credit card to get through. And that leaves them in a situation that they're not able to build upon what they have. They're just getting by instead of, well, now at the end of the day, the, the, the white families that were paying for mortgages at some point would get to the point where they'd own the house or they'd have a significant amount of equity built up if they don't get to the point where they pay it off. But they're getting to the point where they have an asset much bigger than their debt. So that's really the big thing that comes on is that type of debt, what we would consider not something with an asset linked. And it, it was much more relative to their assets. Right. So we covered a number of takeaways from your reports, examining discrepancies in gender and, uh, and race and savings, uh, retirement preparedness and expectations uh, and debt levels as well. Any insights into ways to address these discrepancies? Any sort of uh, big picture takeaways from your findings on these issues? One of the big issues, both with women and um, and minorities, is that they have lower income and lower assets and more likely have debt. So really working with them and trying to get today's finances in order. And, and that's one of the places where financial well-being benefits that are being offered that really look at the total picture of a person's finances can really lead to more success for these groups of people to prepare her for retirement and actually increase their situation now. Because if you have your finances in order now, you're more likely to be able to prepare for the future. And also some of the things that come out is that they don't know where to go. You know, they, they don't have the ability or understanding of where to go for information and the information is provided. It isn't really working. So providing new type of information and understanding these groups better in providing this information is really important. On a couple of the aspects regard to race and ethnicity is that one of the big challenges that both uh, Hispanic and Black Americans do is that there's cultural expectation that comes through regardless of income of, of caring for their family members. So instead of preparing for the future, they're using extra income to care for their, their current family member situation. And really understanding that when people are trying to help people prepare for retirement is that it's not just, you know, current spending and, you know, saving for retirement. There's this other aspect that really needs to be thought of 
and to understand how the, there's a tension between providing for their family uh, versus preparing for their future. And that really doesn't come through in a lot of the literature that, that we see or the ideas that uh, come through in some of the financial well-being or financial advisor aspect is they're not really thinking about kind of that extra different uh, tensions that's going on with the finances of the families from different groups. And one of the other things that comes through is that when they're looking at a financial advisor, they really want to look at someone that they feel they can trust and have some commonality or has gone through their situation and understand their situation, whether that be with their employer, having you know worked with many people that have incomes of their type, or even actually looking like them, being of their same race or gender, also seems to come through. So by financial service companies recognizing that you know if you want to help these groups of both women and minorities, that they really need to have people that look like them that they can trust and work with them because they feel that they get a better understanding of what they're going through in preparing for retirement. Greg, those are some uh, fantastic takeaways. Uh, thank you very much for uh, sharing those findings with us and providing those takeaways as well. So just overall, where can people find your work? All our work is on our website. It's ebri.org. Go on there. There's many different studies and various publications that you could look at for different things across all spectrums of retirement, including the studies we talked about today. So, you know, ebri.org. Craig, thank you so much for your time and your wonderful insights. Thank you very much, Justin. And that will wrap up this month's episode. Make sure to visit ebri.org to read about their most recent research releases. Also, make sure to visit ifebp.org DEI for more resources on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Here, you'll find the International Foundation's statement on diversity, as well as blogs, online education opportunities, articles, podcasts, and webcasts. On behalf of my co-hosts, Julie Stick and Ann Patterson, thank you all for listening. We'll be back in your podcast feeds next month. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. And subscribe to the show in your podcast app so that our episodes will automatically appear on your mobile device. Talking Benefits is a production of the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, the largest educational association for those working in the benefits industry. If you're into benefits, check out all that the International Foundation has to offer at ifebp.org. Our show is hosted by Julie Stick, Ann Patterson, and me, Justin Held. Produced by Rose Pleva and Stacey Van Alstein, and edited by Amanda Gilsmer. Today's program is copyrighted in 2021 by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. All rights reserved. The opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and not to be used as legal counsel. Mm-hmm.